0: Blurred Up, Blurred Up. Welcome to the show where we talk about nerd culture from a BPOV, a black POV. You can find us on Facebook at B-L-E-R-D-U-P. We are on Instagram at B-L-E-R-D period U-P. And we are on Twitter at B-L-E-R-D-U. You can find us on Blur.com, wonderful website. Our partners, full of content, full of nerdy content from a black cultural lens. They just updated their website. Go check it out. I'm your host, Brendan, and I'm joined by Mel. Hello, hello! Super Saiyan Mill.
1: Uh, yeah. What? <laughs>
0: Goku. He turns yellow, and his hair turns yellow. He becomes Super Saiyan.
1: You know, the funniest thing about this hair color is that I keep forgetting I did it. Right. <laughs> so when people bring up things like that, I'm like, what do you, What do you mean? <laughs>
0: <laughs> you went You went from uh Joaquin Phoenix to to Goku in a week. Yeah, exactly. Thank cool. you. That's for, That's an evolution.
1: Yeah. Thank God for toner. But yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. Um. Before we get into the show, I have to sincerely apologize to Odyssey. Odyssey? Last week, you and I reviewed Jay Electronica's album, Mm -hmm. A Written Testimony, and we talked about how there are other religious people, Muslims like Mm -hmm. Yasin Bey, in regards to their religion influencing Mm -hmm. their amazing music. But I forgot to mention one of my favorite artists who is so slept on, even Mm -hmm. one of his biggest fans.
1: Didn't you interview him? Yes. (laughs)
0: Yes. <laughs> Wait yes. A minute. I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> you
1: interviewed him for the show.
0: I'm so embarrassed. Uh-huh. Again, I'm so sorry. Everyone, go listen to that man right now. Like, if you haven't heard this man's music, pause this show right now. Find O-D-D-I-S-E-E on Bandcamp right now. They're still running that sale. I've said it before. Odyssey is one of the greatest rapper producers in hip-hop, right up there with LP and Q-Tip. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Good Fight. Or the iceberg are great places to start. Yeah, uh, his interview is my episode eight. So mm. yeah, I was mm-hmm. it's on Miss Cloud now. I'm not sure if it's on Apple Podcast or whatnot, but
1: oh yeah, good question. But you can find it. Yeah, the audio
0: quality was terrible. It was off my off my old S four. Oh I, no! I, I wish I knew more about our current studio before I did it. Mm. But but yeah, I hope he, he comes back in Seoul and I'll be more prepared for him right. if he does want right. to talk, talk with us again. I
1: didn't actually know he was Muslim.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it's, it's you know, most stuff before he starts an album, he he gives the, I'm not sure what it's called, some kind of Muslim or Islamic invocation of some sort.
1: See, this is where we need the rest of the crew. We need people like Sky here, like too, to, because yeah. he would know the name. And I maybe knew it at a point in time, but I don't anymore. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Odyssey doesn't really talk about that in the rhymes, mm. but he's such a spiritual and positive person. I talked about it on the show with Jack on our favorite albums of the decade. And mm-hmm. one of his albums was on both of our lists. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he's just such, have you, have you ever heard his, his yeah, albums? Yeah, I have. Yeah. yeah. So great. Yeah. right. So he's very positive. positive he's yeah. the
1: anti-J electronica really, because that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to rehash what we already said, but yeah. that album was quite negative. I didn't feel good after listening to it. Yeah. I was just, you know, I the felt, other way, I felt nothing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, anyway.
0: Yes. Anyway, let's see. Odyssey, once again, if you're out there, I'm sorry you are amazing and you deserve all the praise.
1: Well played. Keep going.
0: <laughs> Let's move on. Actually, Mel brought this crazy thing to my attention. Oh, gosh, I want to yeah. talk about this before we get to our, our our Star Wars news. Yeah,
1: so I guess I'm the resident comics head or the closest thing we have to one. And um, I've always been into Marvel and Marvel announced that they are rebooting the New Warriors. If you're familiar with the New Warriors, they are kind of the Junior Avengers. Uh, they're a group of teen superheroes of different... Uh, abilities and they don't really pop up much in main storylines but Mm. they have they've had their own book short runs of their own book over the past i want to say 15 years or so i'd have to double check that though anyway they're rebooting the new warriors with all new superheroes who are more representative scratch that who are supposed to be more representative of today's youth um i don't think they're accomplishing what they're trying to accomplish as I was telling you before the show, Brendan, just the names. So the very first non-binary Marvel superhero in a comic is in the New Warriors. Uh huh. Their name is Snowflake. Huh. Their twin sister is Safe Space.
0: Huh.
1: Ah, uh, there's a character called uh, Screen Time, who is, who looks like he's Asian. <laughs> There's another character who is possibly Native American or Latina. Uh, she's wearing a big backpack. She's visibly much larger and heavier than the other superheroes, who all have like tra- the traditional lean superhero and spandex body. Uh, and her name, if I can remember correctly, is Trailblazer. No Dora the Explorer vibes there at all. Latina in a backpack called Trailblazer. Sure. Mm-hmm. There's also a character called B Negative, who looks like a cross between uh, Peter Quill's adoptive father and Tuxedo Mask. His name is B Negative, and he's a vampire. Ha ha ha. So B- you know, negative. yeah, exactly. So you know, I'm looking at all of these and thinking to myself, who is the showrunner of this? And of course, it is a bunch of hetero cis white men. Not that that's a bad thing, but they're they're trying very hard to write. People of color, non-binary people, LGBTQ people, people of size, people of difference—for lack of a better mm-hmm. umbrella term—using mm-hmm. all the tropes, all the woke tropes that they absorbed from Twitter, from an afternoon scrolling through Twitter and Tumblr. <laughs> it's really embarrassing.
0: That—that that sounds yeah. terrible. Yeah,
1: it's it's going to be terrible. I'm really disappointed.
0: And, and the funny. Mm-hmm. And it's I was wondering like who's the audience because if you're appealing to any of these groups, who looks at that and says, "Wow, that's me."
1: Nobody. Wow.
0: I want to, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and then even for the white folks who are the white liberals who may consume that who's Mm -hmm. gonna look at that they're gonna say that's cheesy too
1: well that's exactly what's happening i mean you have backlash from everybody everybody Mm -hmm. hates this there's that whole kind of get woke go broke contingent of old school marvel fans who think that any diversity is diluting the brand of marvel Mm -hmm. and they hate it Mm -hmm. there's all the folks who were really getting down with marvel as they had you know miles morales Mm -hmm. they had uh what's her name the new captain marvel who's a hijabi
0: Oh, uh, oh I Kamala. can't remember her name. yeah Kamala I, I forgot her last
1: I want to say, say Kamala Harris yeah that's I, not I, it. I almost left <laughs> almost left yeah.
0: left on that <laughs> nope.
1: right. Kamala something sorry girl uh we've got her uh you know, people were really getting into that. We mm-hmm. were really doing good with the whole, like, making Marvel more representative. Uh, the Falcon is becoming the new Captain America, or mm-hmm. already has become the new Captain America. And then you do this, which really reeks of, how do you do, fellow kids? I got you. I got what you're looking for. Right. It's really bad. And I was talking to some of the younger generation members of my own family, and they were like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Like, they, there are actually—meanwhile, Black Panther— Has been getting black writers like people like Ta Nehisi Coates and N.K. Not N.K. Jemison. Yes, N.K. Jemison. I think N.K. Jemison, or I don't know if N.K. Jemison has written for Marvel, but she has done comics. Uh, The one who has, though, is Nnedi Okorafor. I'm sorry. I'm sure I've said that name terribly wrong. She's a uh, Nigerian American science fiction writer. She wrote Who Fears Death. She wrote the Akata Witch series. She wrote the Binti series, all of which are highly recommended. They're all science fiction novels with black women protagonists. Uh, Really good. And she's written some Marvel books as well. She's writing one right now that she keeps posting teaser images for on her social media, which is driving me nuts because I can't really figure out what it's going to be. Anyway, the point is there are people out there who belong to these groups that they're trying to write from the perspective of. And you could have just hired somebody who actually was non-binary, somebody who actually is a Latina, somebody who actually is a vampire with a mohawk. No, but, you know, the, but the, my point is, right? Yeah, it's but, like yeah.
0: even like within your own company, your own umbrella, it's happening. Exactly. Why would, you, why would you drop the ball?
1: Exactly. I mean, that it just goes to show that it's not enough to have diverse characters. You also have to have diverse writers. Yeah. I mean, because they're really getting this wrong. And I say that not having read the book. And I'm usually the person who wants to sit and actually read the thing before I make a judgment. But this Case looks like we talked yeah.
0: about the, the all Korean Tupac musical. It,
1: oh, I'll talk to you about that after the after the show. But um, okay. yeah, but yeah, it just it's ridiculous. It, it doesn't make any sense. I usually want to see it before I judge it. But no, nah, this one gets judged off the dome. Snowflake snowflake and safe space yeah <laughs> by the way snowflakes powers is that they actually shoot snowflakes
0: okay of course they do of course they do so they're not like Iceman because Iceman's powers are actually really cool
1: yeah no they don't shoot ice they shoot snowflakes
0: so it's like when jubilee doesn't really shoot heat she just shoots like fireworks kind of thing
1: it's worse because it's snowflakes yeah <laughs> i mean what about what are you gonna do with that no what villain is intimidated by oh i don't know it's a mess it's i and that's the other thing that my immediate question was, who are the villains going to be for this? Because I don't see this going anywhere good.
0: Right, you're gonna fight like the the most extreme of the right, right? It's like the incel. Right, the incel.
1: And he's just a guy <laughs> walking around inside of a cell phone. I mean, it's just it's that ridiculous.
0: <laughs> just to let you know, yeah. uh, Kamala Khan. Kamala Khan is Miss Marvel's name. That's right, not Ms. Captain Marvel. Not Ms. Captain Marvel.
1: Miss Marvel, right. you're right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Yeah, it's just, it's ridiculous. No, that's yeah. crazy. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, let's move on to uh, some Star Wars news. Rosario Dawson has been cast as Ahsoka Tano, Anakin Skywalker's first apprentice. Now, you haven't watched the Clone Wars TV show, right? Just a few Little episodes, bits, you said. Yeah,
1: right? I, I, slowly by slowly. <laughs> Have you
0: seen, you, you've seen her in it. Yeah,
1: I, I know who the character is. Yeah. She's in the books, so yeah.
0: She's, mm-hmm. she's my favorite, uh, no, she's my second favorite character after Obi-Wan in the Clone Wars show. I think the casting is overall good. I can definitely see her as an older Ahsoka. I'm a bit worried about how they're going to fit her into the Star Wars universe. I don't want to spoil this too much for you because the story of Clone Wars and Ripples is is really good.
1: Mm-hmm. She's coming into the Mandalorian, to right? Yes. Okay.
0: We, we should clarify that, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So she's been cast to appear in The Mandalorian. And of course, The Mandalorian is set five years after the Battle of Endor. Mm-hmm. And she's dead by the time the Rise of Skywalker happens because we hear her voice alongside the other dead Jedi when they're kind of reassuring Rey to, you know, embrace right. the Force or whatever. To
1: be fair, I thought she was dead before that. Wouldn't she have been taken out in the whole um, Jedi purge? <laughs> well,
0: that's the spoiler, which oh. I don't want to... No, it's okay. okay. I mean, uh-huh. for our listeners, this should be okay. But for yeah. you, I don't uh-huh. want it to say too much, but you can just earmuff it real quick while I talk to the listeners. And then uh, I'll, okay, can... well,
1: go ahead and say it because, I mean, it'll be a year before I finish watching this anyway. So. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: I mean, it's still it's still heartbreaking to, to mm-hmm. see what happens. Um, The last time we see her is in the Star Wars Rebels show, not Clone Wars, when she fights an actual Darth Vader mm-hmm. uh, at a Sith temple on the planet Malachor. Mm-hmm. And it was really a touching moment when she, in that series, when she learned who this menace was because you know she was gone for a while right ezra we thought she was gone Mm -hmm. but in a a later episode ezra saves her uh there's a weird kind of dimension time travel element Mm -hmm. to rebels that was really cool but never got explored in any other movie or tv show is it
1: being brought up in the new season
0: of mandalore i'm not sure no no, not
1: a mandalore in the new season of uh, uh the cartoon
0: well rebels is done
1: but what's the new one that just came out
0: resistance or something i think that one was a little more like kid like the, i mean wait, rebels is kid friendly too yeah, but
1: time out isn't there it's already done <laughs> i'm so far behind rebels i thought there was something that was currently being released i was trying to watch season one and two and then there was another season that i was trying to cu- get caught up so i could watch it
0: the rebels had i believe four seasons mm-hmm. and resistance i have never watched it I heard okay. mixed things about it, so I never got into it.
1: I'm so confused. I feel like I've missed so. There's so much Star Wars stuff. That's the problem.
0: And I think Resistance is similar to Mandalorian, where mm-hmm. it kind of deals with kind of just regular humans and mm-hmm. not Jedi stuff. Oh, okay, because it's because it takes place kind of mm-hmm. r- after Rebels in, in between Episode Four and Episode Three, mm-hmm. and most Jedi are are gone at that point. Right.
1: Yeah. Hmm. Okay.
0: Apparently, I mean, I read this on, on Wikipedia or Wikipedia. <laughs> Ahsoka's been stranded on that island of Malachor after her fight with Vader until the Battle of Endor. So that's the reason why she's not there. Okay. But at the same time, if Vader is still alive and he knew that he fought her there, wouldn't he go back and return and maybe...
1: Yeah, they have some explaining to do. Yeah,
0: and so I'm kind of worried that they're going to mess up her character retroactively because...
1: Yeah, yeah. I think they're kind of doing this more for the cool points, but also I think because the look of the Mandalorian could really sustain a character like that.
0: Yeah. And speaking of that, I feel bad for her voice actor, uh, Ashley Eckstein, because she actually did a cosplay she looks really good. Let me let me show you a, mm-hmm. a picture of her. You all can look up, look this up on Facebook, but.
1: Whoa. Wow. Okay. Well, and she's a voice actor, so she can act of in some way. I mean, voice acting is different than physically acting, sure, but sure. maybe they go, oh, wow. Although, to be fair, when I first thought, okay, Rosario Dawson, she's got the perfect face for Star Wars cosplay. She really does. Sure. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, she does look like an older Ahsoka. Yeah. But, but so does Ashley Eckstein. I mean, she looks, she looks like Ahsoka. Yeah. And they're only two years apart. Rosario really? Dawson is 40 years old and this lady actually Xena is 38. Really? So it isn't like, you know, hmm. I guess Rosario Dawson, you know, has the gravitas.
1: Yeah, and she's, you know, she's a proven she's a proven property. Absolutely. All of those things. And sure. I mean, this lady, it's not like she's not rolling in money from the voice acting. So already I don't know. I guess they just want more—because one of the criticisms of The Mandalorian's first season is that, okay, there's not that many recognizable faces Mm -hmm. because our main guy is the biggest star on the show, and you don't even see his face. Sure. So they're very—well, no spoilers. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) I mean, not that you didn't get it from that. But point being, I guess they just want more recognizable faces, which— from a business perspective, makes sense.
0: At the same time. Yeah.
1: And I could see Rosario really performing it well. I I like the way she's... I really liked her in other Marvel properties. Mm-hmm. She did a really good job playing kind of this re, re, re-envisioned night
0: nurse. Sure.
1: Yeah. So that was interesting.
0: I'm not against her doing it. Mm-hmm. I just think, you know, if Lady's is already there, why mm-hmm. not? Yeah. You know, The Mandalorian hit huge numbers when it when it came out. Mm-hmm. And you didn't need... A famous person to sell that. It was just, this is Star Wars. This is a new, this is a new, is an expansion of the universe here. And it, and it, a lot of people watched it and they loved it. Mm-hmm. I think it's big enough of a property now to sell it on just the idea and not the person. Just like, you know, the, the original reboot of the trilogy, right? This is true. They didn't talk about Luke being in the movie. It was just like, here's a new white woman and some black dude you've never heard of, but it's with Star Wars. Um, like, everyone was new. No one knew who Adam Driver was and Daisy Ridley and John Boyega. I mean, I'm not well, saying, like, that they weren't unknown unknowns. Yeah, but
1: they weren't known by the same people who would know Star Wars. Exactly. And that's that's yeah. my point. Mm-hmm.
0: If you put Star Wars on something, people are going to watch it. That's, that's, just, true. that's, that's yeah. just all I'm, I'm trying to say. That's true. And I, and I think, honestly, if they said they cast Rosario Dawson, folks would cheer. I think if they said we're casting the original voice act actress as Ahsoka, I think folks would really would also fans would also be excited for that too.
1: Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I don't have much of an attachment to the original voice actress for Ahsoka, not having watched the show. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm down with Rosario doing it. But sure, I could see sure. what you're saying. Absolutely. Um, the interesting thing about The Mandalorian, we didn't talk about it too much on the show, but mm-hmm. just really quickly, when I finished, well, yeah, when I finished watching The Mandalorian... I had a really interesting thought that I would have watched that if I didn't know anything about Star Wars. It was really well done. It was a very fresh property, and that's something that we've needed for a minute. Where you don't need to know anything about it. If you do, it helps, of course, but you don't need to know anything about Star Wars to enjoy that show. It's just a space opera. It's really good. Yeah. But anyway,
0: mm -hmm. you're right. Uh, Ahsoka was actually in the latest Clone Wars episode. You know, they started to release. Season six.
1: That's what I was trying to say. Clone Wars. That's the one that's coming out now. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's it. Okay.
0: But this is season six. And there's six, six
1: seasons of this. Oh my god, I'm never catching up. No,
0: they're all they're they're really good though. And then Rebels is uh, Rebels yeah. is so great. I'll see
1: y'all in 2025. Damn.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, honestly, this last episode that came out last week was kind of was kind of weak. But I suppose it sets her up for her. It's trying to set her up for her appearance in mm. Rebels. I just I don't see her being alive. During the actual time of the Mandalorian, without fans raising big questions like why she wasn't around Mm. during the OG trilogy, but we'll we'll see. As an aside, the first few episodes of Clone Wars are really cool. You've seen bits of the Clone Wars show, but they really try to give personality to some of the clones in the show, and it's really fun. And there's some actual like heartbreaking drama with them. They're not just you know cloned meatheads. And in the new season, there is an elite group of clones with desirable mutations called the Bad Bunch. And one is exceptionally strong, and mm-hmm. durable. Another one's a tech whiz. Another one's an exceptional sniper. And the leader can like sense electricity, mm-hmm. kind of like like a shark. You know, can like sense hmm. like some sharks I can, can sense like blood. Yeah. No, no, no. There's some sharks that can actually like sense like elect- like uh, really? like bioelectricity. Like, and hmm. ins- I-, I forgot which ones do it.
1: That's interesting.
0: Yeah, but he kind of has that kind of weird power Hmm. and and he's just an all-around badass
1: i knew about if i didn't know this was a disney property at this point i would have as soon as you said the bad bunch but okay that's very disney teen show
0: and also this season further shows that obi-wan pretty much knows that anakin is messing with padme
1: oh really so that's a thing (laughs) they actually like on the show yeah interesting
0: like he's he's trying to like padme calls him and like he gets one of his troopers to kind of like cover for him as he goes in t- into a room and talks to her and then and then he, he's trying to stall obi-wan from like going into the room uh-huh. and then when anakin walks out he's like hey where, where you been oh I, you know i've been you know doing this thing and as he walks past obi-wan obi-wan's like did you at least tell Padme i said hi and i was like bruh
1: <laughs> the way you described that little bit of plot sounded like the setup to an intergalactic drake song that's hilarious <laughs>
0: <laughs> drake wars yeah their friendship and brotherhood in that mm-hmm. show watching them like just trade mm-hmm. off each other like mm-hmm. just the, the jokes it's it's mm-hmm. so great you really should watch it yeah it's, I mean, it's in, really
1: the f- in the few episodes that i've seen and i think also the other thing is i keep forgetting where i started where i stopped so mm-hmm. i keep like bouncing around and i'm sure. not keeping track of it because there's six seasons apparently of just this one show oh my god yeah. anyway yeah um yeah but what from what i've seen i really do like the way that they're building the characters and i like the extra world building they're doing too so yeah. this is cool Either way, I still think uh, Rosario Dawson can play a so and it's fine. <laughs> I'm
0: I'm down. I'm down with it. Uh, before we move on, I want to. So, uh, it just came out that Michael Bean is also joining The Mandalorian. For those who don't know, he was Kyle Reese in the original Terminator, and he was Corporal Hicks in Aliens, which is one of my favorite films of all time. Right. So yeah, I'm really excited for all these these mm-hmm. big. Yeah,
1: and I mean, it'll be cool to see Michael Bean do a comeback, because he hasn't been in enough stuff, in my my opinion. I
0: totally agree with you. I mean,
1: you. The, he was great in The Terminator. He was great in Aliens. Was he in Predator? No. 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 Well, but he was in another kind of big property. Military-like Big I, military kind of military forgot. geek I know what you're talking science fiction, about. but I can't think of what. Yeah. Google break. Um, let's see.
0: Oh, he was he was in The Rock. Was he? Yeah.
1: I don't remember that.
0: And he was in the abyss.
1: Okay, that's where I'm thinking then. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, he was in the rock.
1: Hmm.
0: That, that's perfect for him.
1: Totally, yeah. He's been in, he's been in a lot of stuff, but he hasn't been in enough stuff, I think. Not enough big ticket stuff. Oh, I totally opinion. agree with yeah. you. So it'll be good to see him in this. Yeah,
0: looking forward to him. On to some other news uh, with the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Lovebirds, we talked about lovebirds a little bit last show Mm -hmm. paramount paramount owns the movie and like cloverfield paradox they sold it to netflix uh during this difficult time there's no release date currently for it but hopefully it'll hit its april 3rd release so we can talk about it
1: yeah that's i think for the ones that you don't really need like a big sound system Mm -hmm. and amazing visuals for it's great to have them on netflix it's great to have them on netflix i was talking to a friend of mine the other day and he said that he uh so you can buy well buy certain films right now Mm -hmm. uh which are not getting a studio release on time or a cinema release on time because of coronavirus. Mm -hmm. And he said he might not go back to the theater because he's got a really nice sound system in his home. And to buy a film for 20 bucks that you would ordinarily go and see in the cinema is cheaper for a family of five. Right. So this might might mean interesting things for cinema. I think a lot of industries are going to change after this in ways we didn't expect.
0: Totally. This whole, you know, you have to commute an hour to work to do this thing that you could do at home easily Mm -hmm. yeah yeah nothing is going to be the same
1: yeah and you know i've always really loved going to the movies Mm -hmm. and i don't love it as much in korea because it's not fun to watch movies with korean audiences a lot of times they'll shush you if you laugh or if you have any response to the movie at all and people get really crappy about it sometimes i've gotten into more arguments in movie theaters here than i have anywhere else yeah people are horrible and i'm not even like a big reactor Right. I mean, I've been to the movies with you. I that's not like I'm like laying out in the uh, laying out. I mean, to the, be fair, we mm-hmm. saw
0: Captain Marvel together and there was nothing yeah. to get. Yeah. Yeah, nothing, about. yeah, that's
1: right. Nothing to get <laughs> excited about. But, you know, I'm not like rolling in the aisles, you know, like throwing popcorn at the screen. Yeah. But, you know, if something's funny, I laugh. Yeah. If, you know, if something's shocking, I gasp. But people here don't do that and they get really pissy if you make any noise at all. And where I li- Well, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to get into the whole story. But, yeah, I've gotten to a lot of arguments of, over over. Um, over in movie theaters here and it's not fun to go to the movies to go to the cinema here unless you know it's going to be deserted which is why it's been fun lately Mm. but so i'm all for it
0: (laughs) yeah i think things that are low budget that don't have a lot of that don't require the spectacle that Mm -hmm can be like showcased on on big screen like i want to see black widow on the big screen right Yeah. but lovebirds what's going to really happen in this film that's really going to need me to be right mm-hmm. at the big screen for that
1: yeah
0: on your note about being shush i remember we we had the get out watch party here mm-hmm. and there were about 30 of us in the theater mm-hmm. and you know i was very vocal mm-hmm. at that, that movie like when uh chris got free and he ran up upstairs and saw the tea on the on the on the table, mm-hmm. and, the, and the and the mom was there and she was about to grab it, and he had the room. I was like, "Fuck your tea!" I was like, I yelled so so loud, and all, all the Koreans were laughing. And mm-hmm. at the end of the movie, mm-hmm. this guy came up to us and he was, you know, reprimanding us for being too loud. Mm-hmm. And you know, you know, Sean Sol, he's like a, oh, yeah. a a big dude, and he yes. was getting even getting in his face about it. I'm like, dude, you don't want to mess with us. Like, I need you to walk away. Right.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's. But it's just then. yeah,
1: it's just a weird thing I think because I used to love going to the movies in the States because there like it's it's there's something cathartic about laughing with everybody and yeah. relaxing with everybody yeah. in the in the movie theater to the movie. But here people kinda take offense to that. Like, I, the, one of the arguments that I got into with this guy who was sitting next to me, I wasn't even laughing out loud. I went to go see Coco. The movie theater is going nuts because it's like the 9 p.m. showing, the last mm-hmm. showing in our neighborhood, and everybody brought their kids. So there's kids running and screaming and acting a whole monkey. Mm-hmm. I laugh out loud one time, and this dude gets all in my face. You can't do that. People are looking at you. It's embarrassing for me to sit next to you when you're laughing and people are looking at you. You're too loud. You can't react here like it is when you're in your own country. And I just kind of said, you're are you genuinely that miserable that you have to yell at somebody laughing mm. and from there it was on like donkey kong like look i'm a lover not a fighter i but i do very strongly believe in the school of don't start none won't be none I was trying to enjoy my movie and this man got all up in my face and it turned into this giant screaming batch of the whole thing. But because that's in the movie theater on the end of my block and I go in there a lot, the manager knows me and he came in and was like, okay, you out to the Korean guy.
0: Oh, wow. That's yeah, cool. Yeah, exactly.
1: Kicked him and his horrible wife out. They were awful, man. Interesting. But I remember being like, I was just so angry. Like, how miserable do you have to be to say, don't laugh? You yelling at me is louder than my laugh. In, in mm-hmm. Coco of all movies? Exactly. It's crazy. Everybody else is having a good time.
0: I still cry watching that movie. I
1: know it's a great film. Bruh. Yeah, and the, and also he wasn't screaming at all. The kids running up and down the stairs mm-hmm. at nine thirty p.m. in the movie theater and screaming and throwing popcorn and like losing their minds. But I let out one giggle and he threw a fit.
0: I think that's the thing with being a foreigner. Mm-hmm. You know, you could be on the train and you'll have Korean people talking, laughing, having a good time, living their best lives, mm-hmm. and no one blinks about it. Mm-hmm. But as soon as some foreigners come in and speak English. Mm-hmm. Chinese or etc. Mm-hmm. Yeah. folks were like what are they doing mm-hmm. but even being in America right yeah, you of course in, you it's know, exactly, it, it isn't yeah. about Koreans it's about yeah being exactly a foreigner that one you right know, yeah
1: yeah it's, it's about being vi- very visible hyper visible sure. in a spot sure. but and I mean I don't necessarily I've had like I said the manager who is a Korean person came in and kicked the guy out on my behalf mm-hmm. which was great yeah, but good. at the same time it was it was just uh I'm okay with not having to go to the movie theater. That, yeah. that experiences like that have kind of soured the movie theater experience for me here. Yeah. I've only mm-hmm.
0: had that one negative one, but everything mm-hmm. else has been great for me. Mm-hmm. I remember after I think Civil War ended, and mm-hmm. I yelled, I yelled so loud mm-hmm. at the, after the credits. I was just so hype, and everyone mm-hmm. was just laughing at that. No mm-hmm. one was really tripping. So I've I've, I've had a good experience yeah. here. Um, anyway, yeah,
1: kind of bird walked on that one. But moving okay. on, yeah,
0: yeah. I want to get into some coronavirus updates um we're going to do some kind of bad news good news stuff i don't want to leave you guys on on a, a on a, a sour note cuz you all deal with that enough mm-hmm. already most of our listeners are in america so right, they're yeah. dealing with a lot of bad stuff already of course already.
1: yeah this is very animaniacs the way you announce it good idea bad idea
0: <laughs> oh i still remember that one where they they surprised like good idea surprising your your grand, your father for a birthday mm-hmm. good idea surprising your your grandfather and bad idea surprising your, your great grandfather I don't remember. Because it surprised him and he like he croaks. Oh jeez. I was like, okay. Jesus, this is a kid's show. It was no, oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> but that show was really dark and very <laughs> adult. Yeah. Remember, it's supposed to be coming back, but I think finger, the productions. Fingerprints. Been... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Prints. Classic. There were some great episodes Classic. of that. Anyway. Mm-hmm.
0: I need to download that again too. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's get into it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Coronavirus. Good idea. It's getting real.
0: Sorry. <laughs> so remember last week. When we told y'all that the U.S. was going to kick South Korea out of the top five for most cases, well, Mel was right uh, about it bumping us out the next day. However, it is now number three in the world and it is almost number two with almost 70,000 cases right behind Italy and almost 20,000 away from mainland China. It's this is especially hard for me because a black woman was the first to die in st louis city my hometown and she was only 31 mm-hmm. and here i am 34 mm-hmm. so again i need i need you all to internalize this black people can get it young people can get it um there was some kid who was 21 years old with no he was not he wasn't immunocompromised and he mm-hmm. still died yeah um yeah the most knowledgeable person in trump's administration i forget his name Fau- Fauci. Anthony Fauci, I believe he's the yeah. guy who like did yeah, yeah. did, did, uh-huh. did yeah, the, yeah. the yeah. facepalm. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. He's he's the most knowledgeable guy, and he believes that this virus is ten times around ten times deadlier than the flu. So mm-hmm. please take this seriously. Social distance, wear your mask, wash your hands. Even if you don't have symptoms, you can still have it. You can still give it to your child, your nephew you love, you know, your nieces and nephews you you love so much, mm-hmm. uh, your grandparents. Just. Really be careful out there.
1: Right, yeah. Uh, A member of my community back home, my artist, like the kind of artist family back Mm -hmm. home, is he's 22 and he's in the ICU with this right now. Oh, man. So, I mean, you know, yeah, you're right. Young people can get it. Everybody can get it. People of all ethnicities, menudo and grits and uh, kimchi do not make you immune to this disease. So be careful. Stay inside. Yeah, ginger ale does not do it. Even if you spell it J I N D R E L L, it does not do it for you. Yeah. So stay inside. Listen to the guidelines, guys. Korea did that, and we're coming out of the other side of it, sort of, mostly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see. I mean, two weeks from yesterday, it might change. But yeah, because the weather's been really nice, and people are getting a bit lax about it. But don't do that, y'all. Listen to the listen to the experts.
0: Really? Yeah. Um, I want to make a retraction from the previous show. There have been a number of articles about nature reclaiming empty areas because of less pollution and people presence. However, some of those have been revealed to be untrue. And we talked about dolphins swimming in Venice, canals, and that was revealed to be false. Mm -hmm. And I wanna quote the Nat Geo article that brought this to my attention. The phenomenon of sharing fake news highlights how quickly eye-popping too-good-to-be-true rumors can spread in times of crisis. People are compelled to share posts that make them emotional. When we're feeling stressed, joyous animal footage can be irresistible south. The spread of social phenomena is so powerful, 2016 research shows, that it can follow same models that trace the contagion of epidemics. We really have to be watchful of what we post before a crisis, obviously. You know, Remember, um, remember when people were sharing the death of the things fall apart author for like three years, like every year he yeah. would come out and it's like, guys, like mm-hmm. check your dates, exactly. check the source.
1: He's an ancestor now, pour a little out and let him rest in peace, you know? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: But for, for anything about, you know, people are talking about 5G is causing viruses and, you know, everyone has a take. Uh, Just, you know, you mentioned last week to me, you know, we don't want to borrow trouble. We don't want to start panic. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, we don't want to, give a false sense of security and everything in between. So now that we actually have the time Mm. to stay at home and social distance, et cetera, let's make use of that time Mm. and be sure about the facts that we share.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just, I also think a lot of those animal stories came from this desire that we have to we we, human beings have this desire for redemption narratives as well. Mm. So we want to make this worth something. Sure. Right. It's hard to metabolize a tragedy which this is in a lot of cases, yeah. uh, or a crisis, which this also is. Yeah. It's hard to metabolize that and have it come out in the end that this wasn't for anything. I mean, we all grow up on movies and TV, and we're always we were taught just the the human desire for stories teaches us that we want to have catastrophe be worth something in the end, and this might not be. So we're just trying to make that happen now. I mean, we're trying to say, oh, well, maybe people are dying, but the dolphins are back. Well, the dolphins were always (laughs) in Sardinia, which is where that picture's from. So, mm, you know.
0: Well, to kind of piggyback on what you said last week about our lack of imagination, there are things that we should be focusing on thinking about beyond just dolphins, mm. but we're, our scope is so limited. We can just we had to think beyond those kind of things, and that's what I actually want to get into. That, that leads us into mm-hmm. some some good news here. London and California are the first major places to try to effectively eliminate homelessness during the coronavirus pandemic. So, under their plans, they're looking to lease hotels and motels into shelters to help with containing the spread. Yep. And I got this info from Jefferson Public Radio uh, mm-hmm. website, and I'm going to just read a couple quotes that are, yeah. I think are important. This is an important opportunity to bring folks indoors and then try to get them into permanent housing when this is said and done. And that's the key yeah. of not just saying, OK, let's just do this for the crisis and then go back to the status quo later. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And this, is, this was said by Ali Sutton, who's the deputy secretary for homelessness mm-hmm. in California. On Saturday, Governor Newsom announced that 2,400 hotel rooms had already been secured with about 1,900 in San Diego County alone. And Sudden says the number statewide is closer to 4,000 rooms.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. In London, I was talking to some UK friends and fam last night, maybe mm-hmm. the night before last. All the days are bleeding together. It's sure. like that Spider-Man meme. is Monday, Tuesday. I don't know. But um, the uh, uh, in London... This program's already gone live, so it was live as of last night's London mm-hmm. time, so it's actually working out pretty well. But what's interesting is that people are asking the question, why didn't we do this before? Mm-hmm. Which I think a lot of people are going to be asking mm-hmm. that question. I think there are valid reasons to ask that question, but also that that question is not complete in scope. Okay. <laughs> but even even so, I'm glad that this is actually happening. Do you want to speak on that? I do not. Okay. All right. <laughs>
0: Moving on, Mm -hmm. from Democracy Now!, there's a video slash article titled Solidarity, Not Charity, Mutual Aid and How to Organize in the Age of Coronavirus. And here, Amy Goodman detailed a short list of thousands of organizations that are helping across the U.S. Mm -hmm. So in the state of Washington, the Tacoma Mutual Aid Collective is organizing free food programs for kids hit by school closures in Bay Area of California, the West Oakland Punks with Lunch is working with the homeless community in distributing lunch and supplies. Mm -hmm. In Arizona, Tucson Mutual Aid is coordinating food and supply drop-offs for people's front doors. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, two people's front doors in Cal uh, in Colorado. The Denver service workers solidarity group is building a network to demand an immediate moratorium on rent collection and eviction citywide in Minnesota. The Twin Cities Queer and Trans Mutual Aid Group is organizing assistance for queer, transgender, and gender non-binary people affected by COVID-19. And in New York City, the NYC United Against Coronavirus has put together a network of resources for childcare, grocery delivery, food donations, housing needs, bail funds, and other types of support across the five boroughs
1: yeah it's lovely to see people mobilizing and Mm. it's really coming together i'm proud of humanity we're doing all of our best i have a friend in china who well i have a lot of like people who live in china and Mm -hmm. also i had a lot of former a lot of my former students are chinese a lot of them are back in china and they're so lovely they're Mm -hmm. like calling and checking i hear things are getting bad in america can i send masks to your family and i'm like i don't think they're in the house they don't Mm -hmm. need them but that's lovely that you're asking i just feel like there is really again it's easy to panic it's easy to point fingers at the worst parts of humanity in this and there are a lot of those to point at Mm -hmm. but there's also a lot of you're also seeing what happens when people do get together and help each other there's a lot of selfishness and crappiness but there's also a lot of solidarity Mm -hmm. there's a lot of Seeds of change, which I really do enjoy. I'm just sad that this is taking a disease and lives being lost to have this happen. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Just one last one. The uh, the U.S. rent strike 2020 is a training group on Telegram. Mm-hmm. Ugh. We we had some Telegram issues related issues here in, yeah. in Korea, but I don't want to go into that. Well,
1: yeah, it wasn't just Telegram, but uh, Telegram is just the platform. Sure, but sure, they, sure. Yeah, it's sure. <laughs> yeah. That's that's true.
0: Mm-hmm. But yes, this group, if you're on Telegram, join it. It's for people anxious about making their rent payments Mm -hmm. on April 1st and beyond. Mm -hmm. Um, There are people hanging white sheets out their windows in solidarity around the world, signifying that they will not pay their rent in Mm -hmm. solidarity. Mm -hmm. And yeah, if, if Trump is trying to get people back to work at a time where it looks like the U.S. will become the new epicenter of this global crisis in the near future... I mean, consider labor strikes.
1: If there was ever a time when Congress is going to jump up and smack him down, it's going to be that. <laughs> I, I hope so. Yeah, because I don't think that's going to actually. I don't, he's, there's no way he can do that. No, I totally agree. Especially since this is this is it'll be it will become a state's right rights issue at that point mm-hmm. because so many states have issued long-term shutdowns and long-term uh, what's the word legislation mm-hmm. enacting uh, like basically just. Uh, not having that happen, sure. so there's I don't think that's going to happen. I, I hope not. there's too many there's too many legal ways that, that can bite him in the butt. And if nothing else, Trump does care about his businesses after he's finished with his whatever this is he's doing the presidency. Ugh. Mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, you yeah. get what I'm saying. yeah mm-hmm. anyway,
0: well, yeah. Mm-hmm. if it does come to pass or what what have you can cons- like mm-hmm. I said, consider labor strikes. Obviously, this isn't for everyone. Mm-hmm. Please consider your own needs and these of your loved ones. But talk to your fellow workers during this time of being distant and see Mm -hmm. what you can do labor strikes have won us the weekend uh 40 hour work weeks child labor out of factories Mm -hmm. in this volatile time who knows what else it can it can win for us
1: Mm -hmm. yeah definitely on a slightly lighter note i don't know if you've been watching the celebrity response to this a lot of it is ridiculous and not worth talking about because these people don't need any more attention than what they're trying to gain for themselves Mm -hmm. but i am pleasantly surprised at the number of celebrities who are using their social media platforms and their uh Admirable access to capital to help people like individually. Comrade,
0: comrade Britney Spears.
1: Yes, comrade, comrade <laughs> Britney Spears. Uh, yes, she's. Act- I'm surprised she's put out a couple of videos saying, "Look, if you need help, I'm gonna. De- the first people who can DM me, I'll send you money for groceries. That kind of thing." Yeah. Bob the drag queen has init- has uh, organized a bunch of. I don't know. You're probably not a watcher of RuPaul's Drag Race. No. Yeah. Um. But yeah, Bob the drag queen has organized a bunch of the. Rue Girls, past and present, who are also uh, reaching out to people, helping them with food, with diapers, with utilities in small ways. But, you know, people who have a platform and who have uh, access to a little extra cash are helping out. Uh, Chris Evans, Captain America, has made a pretty sizable donation as far as what nurses to, to, like, because this is a huge problem. And this is something I don't understand about America and Mm -hmm. our medical system. We have a for-profit medical system, but where is all that money going? We have doctors and nurses in New York City, for example, who are going to work and wearing trash bags as they're running out of ppe protective gear and,
0: and bandanas, on yeah, their
1: bandanas on their face so where's all this money they're going? not
0: being they're even them they're not being tested mm-hmm. for the virus
1: exactly which is ridiculous because mm-hmm. where's all the money we have such an expensive an overinflated, cost heavy medical system and where's all that money gone mm-hmm. right we don't have vital equipment what, what are we paying for really right. so that said um so there's a couple of celebrities who are donating medical gear. I'm, I've been pleasantly surprised by a lot of the, uh, the response that we're getting from notable people, people who are using their platform for good. And then, of course, there's all of us regular folk of who there are far more of who are mobilizing as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, guys, if you have the ability and means, look up what's happening in your community. Mm-hmm. If you can't find anything, venture to create something. Mm-hmm. The poor. Yeah. Disabled, children, elderly, people of color, black people, the queer community, homeless, these crises affect marginalized communities the most. And within those groups, there are different and overlapping needs that we sometimes neglect and forget. So Mm -hmm. do what you can.
1: Also, frankly, just reach out to the people around you, like Mm -hmm. neighbors and things, because you never know. who. A lot of people who are struggling, there can be all the initiatives in the world, but most people who are struggling are proud a lot of times and Mm -hmm. don't necessarily want to reach out and ask. So Mm -hmm. make sure you're checking on your people. And if you notice somebody might need something, offer nicely if you have it to give. I mean, there is that also. You know, just something simple. If there's old people in your neighborhood, call them up. Say, is there something I can drop off on your doorstep? Right?
0: Sure. I've had, I've talked to at least two good friends who've lost their jobs. And Mm -hmm. this grief, just period, even if you have a job and you're still just stuck in the house, this grief is understandable, and you should be allowed to, to, to feel it. We've never experienced this crisis before, mm-hmm. anything like it. However, as we talked about today, there are initiatives happening all around us, from government to more grassroots efforts, and I hope that you can pull some inspiration and solace from that as you process what's going on around you. Do mm-hmm. you have anything else to say about it?
1: Not really. I mean, I just, uh, we'll get through this. We will get through this. This is not the apocalypse. Stop Mm -hmm. posting those stupid memes. Although it does feel a little bit like, did you ever play The Sims? No. Okay, so in The Sims, you can have your Sim in a room and remove all the doors, and they just go mad. And that's kind of how this feels.
0: <laughs> what?
1: Okay, so you've never played The Sims.
0: No, I have no idea what you're talking oh, about. Oh, wow,
1: okay. So The Sims is it's basically like a... Video, I mean, I know yeah. what it is, yeah, but... Yeah, it's like a video game dollhouse, essentially. Yeah. But, like, yeah, so if you have... So you can, like, change things about your Sim's environment while they're while you're playing. You can pause the game and retool their whole environment. So if they're in a room by themselves, you can go in and remove all the doors. And then go back to play, and the sim will look up and realize that there's no doors; they're just trapped in a a windowless, doorless room, and they freak out. Seriously? Yes. That's
0: so so wild.
1: (laughs) And that's kind of what this feels like in a way.
0: I didn't realize the the AI was that advanced. I don't. I don't know how. Oh,
1: it's actually. I don't know how they
0: work. I've seen Mm -hmm. weird, you know, modifications Mm -hmm. that that are are probably not Mm. good for kids to see. But Uh, aside from that,
1: yeah, the newer iterations of the game it's quite advanced. A lot of there's a lot of shenanigans that go on in the game. Yeah. So and then i think start i don't know anything about the sims 4 i still play the sims i Mm -hmm. I stopped playing around the sims 3 uh but it was like it's basically an open source world so it's like a whole neighborhood Mm -hmm. so you know there's all kinds of stuff going on that's wild Mm -hmm. but yeah that's what it feels like it was my point sometimes just uh, (laughs) trapped in a room with all the doors removed like what's going on
0: wow Mm -hmm. okay y'all we're gonna take a quick break and then we're gonna return with some retrospectives on kick ass Sex Packets by Digital Underground, and the classic hip-hop album like Water for Chocolate by Common Sense. Are you enjoying this show so far? You know, I've had a few folks come up to me and they ask, Oh, Brendan, how can I get into podcasting? I hear your podcast and it makes me want to try it too. I'm glad you asked. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other streaming services. You can make money from your podcast with minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm, A N C H O R, period, F M, to get started. And we're back. We're going to talk about three retrospectives. We're going to start with the movie Kick-Ass. 2010 was the year for indie comedic superhero films. And Kick-Ass was the first. Can you think of the other other two that came out? One's pretty popular and the other one, not not so much. But they did help launch the careers of, of two great directors.
1: Okay. Repeat the question again, please.
0: Again, 2010... There were three indie superhero comedy films. Kick-Ass was one of them, and there are two more. There's one that helped launch a very big director who did a very big Marvel property. Mm -hmm. And the other one did some, some great stuff beforehand and also directed another Marvel property too.
1: I have no idea. Folks at home, you yeah. know,
0: dear, you know, yeah. don't don't google it. Mm-hmm. Think about it.
1: Yeah, I have no idea.
0: Okay. Number 1. Kick-ass was directed by Matthew Vaughn, okay, who went on to direct one of the best X-Men films, First Class. He also directed Kingsman and the sequel. Right. The next film that came out, which we'll hopefully talk about next month, is Super, done by James Gunn, who went on to do Guardians of the Galaxy.
1: Never seen it, never heard of it
0: you have to watch it okay it's it's yeah it's it's really good and crazy mm-hmm. you remember that guy have you ever watched the office yeah i have not but there's some there's the kind of bigger guy with the glasses i I don't know his name
1: uh on the office yes i don't know his name on the office but i know the actor you're talking about but yeah he's uh, the star of, the, mm-hmm. of that
0: film but you know we'll, we'll talk about that mm-hmm. later but yeah watch that movie and scott pilgrim versus the world by Edgar Wright who went on to do Ant-Man and Baby Driver that was in
1: 2010 interesting because I remember seeing Scott Pilgrim but Kick-Ass never hit my I've never seen it at all Mm -hmm. and for some reason it never hit my radar but I saw Scott Pilgrim versus I loved that movie I read the the graphic novel first of course Mm -hmm. and I remember seeing that movie three or four times in the theater because I just loved how it was put together so much oh yeah it's, Mm -hmm.
0: it's a great movie Honestly, all three of these films are great in their own way mm-hmm. and I highly recommend Kick Ass and before you know, before we get into it, I wanna just talk about what this movie is. Mm-hmm. So Kick Ass is about a teenager living in New York City who wonders why no one has tried to be a hero. And he tries it himself. He orders some a suit online and just goes out and tries to kick ass and to mix results. Mm-hmm. What immediately grabbed me was everything about it was really dated from the kind of proto EDM music to talking about MySpace a lot mm-hmm. cuz he creates a MySpace page to get popularity mm-hmm. before there was Instagram and yeah. Facebook and etc
1: Is it intentionally dated?
0: No. Okay. But it's just there are some films that you watch and like like you you watch Logan Mm-hmm. And you know it could be shot at any yeah. time.
1: It's kind of five minutes from now in the yeah. future. Yeah, it'll it'll feel old in twenty fifty, but not now. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: But there's so much technology used in this movie, like the old iPhones, mm-hmm. like the iPhone, like the first two iPhones, like they're. Like there's an iPhone that's like the size, maybe a little, little bit longer than my palm. That's mm-hmm. used as, as like you know, the height of technology at that time. There's so many things that you can just point out, like wow, okay. that that was a yeah. thing. That was a thing too. Wow, that was a thing, wasn't yeah. it? And so that, because I actually watched it for the first time again um, today as I was mm-hmm. preparing for this movie, and I was like, wow, holy okay. cow. Yeah, but it's really fun to to just watch that stuff. And I want to share a few clips with with you. You haven't okay. seen it. And yeah. this will kind of introduce you to the character Kick-Ass and some other people that we'll get into. So I want to first start off with our introduction to Kick-Ass. This, this is one of the very first scenes mm-hmm. of the film, like the first two minutes. Okay. All right, you ready?
1: All right, so we've got the comic book uh, text box. Okay.
0: That's me. Back before any of this crazy shit happened. Is that Quicksilver? I guess I was the last person you'd expect to become a superhero. From the Avengers. Oh yes, not saying there was anything wrong with me. But there's nothing special either. I wasn't into sports. I wasn't a mathlete or a hardcore gamer. I didn't have a piercing or an eating disorder or 3,000 friends on MySpace. My only superpower was being invisible to girls and out of my friends man I wasn't even the funny one like most people my age I just existed look carefully can you you notice someone else
1: wait go back go back go back this guy on the side who's he
0: the Other Quicksilver,
1: yeah, they are. So, yeah, that's interesting. I
0: totally forgot about that. They're like
1: 10 years old. My goodness, both
0: Quicksilvers are in this movie as and, friends. Yeah, they're so young. So, I want to just go forward a little bit. So, he, you know, he's a teenager, he fantasizes mm. about his uh, his teacher who is really hot actually. Mm. Um, Although, I
1: can tell you right now, just from watching that 30 second clip, I know exactly why this didn't hit my radar. I'm getting like Oh no, not another teen movie vibes, honestly. Does this does this whole like geeky teenager arc rede- redeem itself in an interesting way? I, or is it just the typical trope stuff? You'll see. Okay. What on earth?
0: <laughs> so again What is going on? So so here in this <laughs> in this clip he he fantasizes about his his English teacher, you know
1: Brendan, you did not tell me I was coming here to see boobs today.
0: Okay. Oh, it gets worse. Okay. It gets it worse. Oh, you're joking. The no.
1: Later. So to be honest, it didn't take much to set me off. <laughs> That's racist. When my hormones balance
0: out. Here we are, the black POV. Yeah. So for those who, who don't know, in the very beginning of this, <laughs> the very beginning of this movie, he talks about how he fantasizes about his English teacher, but then he says it doesn't really take much to get him off, and he literally looks up, um, tribal. Yeah, like the women old school, in like, Africa. Yeah. yeah, with their breast out. And yeah. He's, like those old National
1: Geographic photos. Yeah, yeah.
0: So yeah, that's.
1: I told. I'm, I can see why I've never seen this movie. <laughs> Maybe if I'd seen it then. <laughs> to be fair, I loved Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. That movie is also quite racist. And, Just, it, it, yeah. and yeah. it's problematic mm-hmm. for, from, mm-hmm. a,
0: from a from a due perspective too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's. Okay. Oh yeah, these okay. are these are cooler though, and. I want to talk about the real stars of this movie, which are Nicolas Cage and Chloe Moretz as Mm -hmm. Big Daddy and Hit Girl. And Big Daddy is essentially like a knockoff of Batman. He doesn't really have the Mm -hmm. money of Batman, Mm -hmm. but he he kind of wears the suit and has it like um, just that hardcore fighting mentality just of like just brutalizing people
1: working class batman
0: <laughs> no seriously he really is <laughs> really? but the difference that is
1: doesn't work that's but, just no a working class batman he, but, is but, a trump but, supporter no but
0: he's he's pretty much <laughs> a working class batman punisher
1: okay okay that's i mean different. He,
0: okay. he 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 murders people
1: oh wow whoa whoa this got serious and, okay
0: and his daughter is essentially his robin who also murders people and so let, me, feel, okay. so let me introduce yeah, you to, wow. to this. So I mean, cause... I've
1: heard of this movie and people have told me mm-hmm. about it, but none of this hit my radar in any kind of real way at all. Check. And
0: this is just weird. Here's the introduction to that family.
1: It's like all the wrong ways to do a superhero deconstruction. Okay. Anyway. It's
0: it's just it's ridiculous.
1: And what, do they work with Kick-Ass or? Okay. This is Watch. All right. And she's twelve too.
0: Daddy, I'm oh my God, she's on, really Mindy, twelve.
1: Honey, be a big girl now. There's nothing to be afraid of.
0: Is it gonna hurt bad?
1: Oh, child. Only for a second, sugar. A handgun bullet travels at more than
0: seven hundred miles.
1: Seven hundred miles an hour. <laughs> oh, he's not so gonna, gonna shoot her, is he? Like oh, you're, you're joking. You off your feet for sure, but it's really no more painful than a punch in the chest. What? You're going to be fine, baby doll. (laughs) (laughs) That's not funny.
0: (laughs) That's messed up. It is very messed up.
1: How was that? Not so bad. Kind of fun, huh? Now you know how it feels. You won't be scared when some junky asshole pulls a Glock.
0: I wouldn't have been scared anyways. That's my girl. Up you get. Come on. Two Uh, more rounds. It's psychotic. This is a mess. Again? Uh Uh-huh. Look, only if we can go by the bowling alley on the way back. The bowling alley? Yeah. And ice cream after.
1: Huh. Okay. Two more rounds.
0: No wincing. No whining. And you got yourself a deal, young lady.
1: Yeah. I'm gonna get a hot fudge sundae. They're so
0: hardcore, but they just have this cute father and daughter thing. Yeah. And it, it, it gets better here.
1: Okay. So, have you thought a little more
0: about what you might want for your birthday? Can I get a puppy? You want to get a dog? Yeah, a cuddly, fluffy one, and a bratz movie star makeover, Sasha. <laughs> I'm just fucking with you, Daddy. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! Mom. <laughs> oh, child, you always knock me for a loop.
1: Oh my goodness.
0: You know he's, he's he's like this like, 19 he's like like, like yeah. leave it to Beaver dad he's who's like shooting his 12-year-old daughter. Was, it's it's crazy. It, this is
1: like alternate universe Ned Sand <laughs> Ned, Ned Flanders.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like Nicolas Cage plays this psychotic Ned Flanders who yeah. trains his children to kill. That's so villains.
1: weird. Oh
0: wow. man, it's that that dynamic is great. Uh-huh. And
1: I mean it <laughs> It seems interesting. It's just, so who wrote this? This was written, this was, I think this was originally a graphic novel, wasn't it? Yes. Mm
0: -hmm. I'm not sure who did it.
1: Because I'm curious, because this is, it's twisted, but this was very much the mode at the time that this movie came out. Because I mean, this came out around the same time as, well, actually way after Sin City did. Mm -hmm. But kind of, people were, there were a lot of movies being made of darker graphic novel properties.
0: It's written by Mark Millar. Hmm. And Mark Millar, I believe he did some really important work with like Daredevil, like the like the Marvel Knights, Spider Man, the Ultimates,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, Civil War. Yeah, uh, he did uh, Civil Kingsman, War. Yeah, actually. Yeah. Okay. And Wanted that that. Uh, yeah,
1: I knew Wanted, which was a waste of a graphic novel making that into a movie. That was mm. not well done. But anyway, okay. I want
0: to do one that last. That makes clip. sense. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. my my last clip. So we we were introduced to Kick-Ass. We were introduced to, the family. And now I want you to I want to introduce you. Go ahead.
1: Okay. Timeout so how do kick ass and the family how do they connect are they do they work together
0: so essentially hit girl and kick uh, hit girl and big daddy are just murkin villains, mm. but they're keeping it kind of quiet oh, so Whereas, this is why
1: kickass doesn't know, so he becomes kickass
0: no yeah, he doesn't know, and so he becomes kick ass and he's so visible like his first his second bout out in the city got um watched on youtube like mm-hmm. so, like a lot of folks taped it and it got like it, it was the most viewed clip on youtube which was hilarious a- again dating itself mm-hmm. because it was numbering in the tens of millions and that was like the most viewed clip where we obviously know at this point we're in the billions mm-hmm. um so yeah so i wanted this last clip is an introduction to hit girl when she pops up to save him because okay. he's even though he wants to be a hero, it's not like he's training himself to do. I mean, anything. He doesn't seem like he, he has just pops out hero and just, stuff. <laughs> it's pretty much like Steve Urkel, like, "Hey guys, I want to like fight crime." Mm-hmm. Okay. So in this clip, Kickass goes to a black drug dealer's house just to make him stop hitting a girl he likes, and with no plan, he just walked into the house like, "Yo, stop it, or else I'm going to come back and break your legs." And so, you know, black guys like, "Yeah, you know what." you're dead. And so, he's being pinned to the ground and here's what happens.
1: Okay. Who is playing the drug dealers? Is that I don't somebody know that famous? Is. Okay. This clearly had no crossover property at all because I don't recognize any of these black people. Let's see what she can do now. He. Me. Mine. No word how did she get in there
0: because she's she's pretty much Robin okay a very murderous badass I mean she's she's yeah. pretty much Nate Damien Wayne okay but like cheerful she's just
1: murdering everybody
0: exactly he's just saying like, what
1: the fuck yeah <laughs> what <laughs>
0: this is she's just okay. smiling the whole way it's Crazy. What I find crazy about that dude that she killed was uh-huh. he was just a, a drug addict and picked up the lamp because he was scared of yeah, her. Yeah,
1: he was just chilling and she just stabs him in the chest. Well, how yeah. would, how would you just go to get a dime bag and you get stabbed in the chest? I mean, what? Watch this. <laughs> Are you serious? No. He throws a butterfly knife at this dude. This is a mess. It's and crazy. And she's wearing her little schoolgirl skirt. Come
0: on. And now, okay. now, and now, now, there's just like this prostitute.
1: Yeah, and like, why would you want to fight her? I'd run. She just murdered everybody else. Well, she in the room. does
0: run. And here's what's crazy is that mm-hmm. she's just running away. And then what happens?
1: Oh come on. yeah the whole okay, no it's a mess. this is a mess it's a whole what mess is this? I don't think I'll be seeing this. <laughs> no I'm, I think I, I missed it if I had seen it at the time I would have been into it, but I think I missed its its freshness date
0: yeah i I'm, it is interesting whether this would fly today because because well, yeah. that year, I think all three of those films were very irreverent, especially mm-hmm. super and and this film I, Scott Pilgrim was mm-hmm. his own kind of goofy universe yeah. whereas super mm-hmm. and Kick ass word, yeah. A little more serious. It's not the
1: irreverence, I don't think. It's just that it's irreverent, but not very self aware. It doesn't look, it doesn't seem that way. It can be irreverent, but you have to. be If you're gonna be really seriously irreverent, you've got to also be very self aware. And I don't see that in the clips. I haven't seen the movie,
0: of course. But I, yeah, I mean, I just yeah. I like I said, I personally recommend mm-hmm. it. I mm-hmm. think it's fun. It's ridiculous, mm-hmm. and I, I didn't. I forgot how ridiculous it was until I watched mm-hmm. this this today. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, if you guys are at home, check it out if you haven't mm, seen it. If you have okay. if you have seen it, check it out. It's it's crazier than you remember probably. Hmm. Yeah, I I kind of wish the indie superhero comedy can make a resurgence in the midst of all these kind of huge blockbusters. You know, Birds Birds of Prey took a s- stab at it no pun intended, mm-hmm. um, but I wasn't really feeling that movie.
1: Mm, it was all right. Yeah. It wasn't. I mean, it was yeah. watchable, but not yeah. amazing. Yeah, I think well, we're getting a lot of comics like properties. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of stuff that I watch that feels like a like it would have been a graphic novel at some point. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're into Better Call Saul at all. It's the prequel series to, to Breaking, Breaking Bad, Bad and the, it's really I was watching I'm catching up on it cuz it's being re-released now and mm-hmm. there's it's a really unique show visually, because even though it, there's nothing comic booky about it at all, mm. obviously, but the way it's put together visually makes me think of a graphic novel. Mm. So you're getting a lot of things that definitely are paying homage to that kind of style, but there's just not a lot of graphic novel stories. But, and I've said this before, I think that graphic that the next big thing in comics and graphic novels is that the type of stories we tell is going to change because mm-hmm. everybody is superheroed out. We've got a bajillion movies, all of varying quality. We've got the Marvel Universe, which is like sitting on the bottom pile of kings. Mm-hmm. People who are really creative, who are really wanting to do something interesting with the art form, are going to move away from that kind of story and start telling really different things. Kind of like how everything was Westerns and then sure. that stopped, you know?
0: It's a bubble. Like where do you really go after Endgame, game, you know?
1: Well, yeah, I mean there is that, but also just and I think that the type of story that people are going to see themselves reflected in is going to change. Sure, just like sure. for a while everything was vampires. Sure. And now everything or, or is zombies, yeah, right? Well, now everything is zombies. Before it was like the, the vampires had this massive renaissance where you had everything from Twilight to reboots of Dracula and those the thing is these kind of things never really go away, mm-hmm. but they're but they kind of ebb and flow in popularity. Sure, sure. Absolutely. So now zombies are much more popular than vampires and hopefully i don't know wolfmen make a comeback next or something but you know it's the same kind of thing superheroes are not going to go away but i think that the cutting edge properties are going to be something different
0: true i i totally agree mm-hmm. once maybe once, once once you finish your your novel that it'll be at the yeah at the forefront you, 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 you heard I'm it here sussy. folks yeah <laughs>
1: speaking of but the, anyway the super on. saiyan mm-hmm. will
0: will ascend oh god Let's move on to uh, Digital <laughs> Underground. So of course, okay. everyone knows this album from the classic song, The Humpty Dance, mm-hmm. which peaked at number 11 on the pop charts, the Billboard pop charts, and number one for Billboard rap singles in 1990. The album itself went platinum. Mm. Um, I really haven't heard, I listened to this album actually all the way through for the first time this week. It's very standard Boom Bap 90s fare. Yeah. The weird thing is, and I read this on Wikipedia, the album is a concept album about GSRA, which means Genetic Suppression Relief Antidotes. It's a pharmaceutical substance that is produced in the form of a large growing pill about the size of a quarter, which comes in a condom-sized package and is allegedly developed by the government to provide its intended users such as astronauts with a satisfying sexual experience in situations where the normal attainment of such experiences would be counterproductive to the mission at hand. And what's weird is we hear Humpty Dance and the other single was Do What You Like, which were cool. They are very kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Dance tracks. Yeah. yeah. But then the rest of the album is kind of serious
1: See, a little And bit. they're trying to be political without hitting it too hard yeah
0: it's it's scatterbrained and then i think the last four tracks were actually focused on the idea of sex packets Mm -hmm. and there's a skit where you know this guy's like a drug dealer like hey man asian woman with these centimeter hips uh black version i'm like bruh this is this is not cool yeah it's a scatterbrained album
1: it is but you know it they were kind of a scatterbrain group. I mean, in what in what group do you have Humpty Hump and Tupac at the same time, really? Do you know how I many mean, yeah. members are in this group? Oh, there were loads. There's and it like, was always changing. Mm-hmm. It's
0: like, I think over 30 people have moved mm-hmm. through, through that group. As you right. said, and Tupac still, was one of them.
1: they're still out here doing stuff or yeah. trying to anyway.
0: Yeah, I, I didn't believe It's crazy to, to think that the Humpty Dance, the, the album that contained this, mm-hmm. had such a crazy idea behind it. Right. Yeah, look that up.
1: But I think that's why the album wasn't a hit, just the singles.
0: Right, you're you're, you're yeah. very
1: right. Because you're right, the Humpty Dance. If you listen to it by itself, you don't expect it to be part of that album. As an album, it doesn't really hang together particularly no, well. No, it doesn't. It's very, like you said, it's scatterbrained. It doesn't really. They have this concept, but they don't think they knew how to play it through. Not at all. But I don't think they needed to either. So I mean, that that they could have just released those two singles, and we would have been fine.
0: Yeah, it went platinum, so that's something. Yeah. You know, MC Hammer went platinum like nine times, like almost like 19 times. Oh, yeah, yeah. Crazy. Yeah, I believe C- it. Crazy. That's that's a topic for another day. <laughs> this is the whole idea of all these old heads like, in the 90s were the best, and that's when real Music was selling and blah, 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 blah. When MC Hammer went platinum 19 times, mm-hmm. and it took Nas six years to go platinum off of Illmatic. Right, yeah, right? exactly. Obviously, people in the 90s didn't yeah. really appreciate well, there was a difference between
1: pe- music that people were buying and people music that people were listening to because underground radio was still a mm-hmm. thing. True. Uh, because just radio in general was still a thing. True. <laughs> so, I mean, I, there's a lot of stuff that I listened to that mm-hmm. I'm sure that everybody else was, was buying, mm-hmm. but I was very much, a like, probably you were too, I was very much an indie record store kind of buyer. So what I bought and what I heard were two completely different things.
0: I mean, in the 90s, mm-hmm. I was a rockhead. So I mean I hated mm-hmm. rap. I, I think I've said it on the show yeah. before. So mm-hmm. yeah, I wasn't really digging that stuff until I got to college. Mm-hmm. And one of the albums that I bought in college, Transition, is Like Water for Chocolate mm-hmm. by Common Sense, mm-hmm. which turns 20 on March twenty eighth. Yeah. So hopefully by the time you hear this this podcast, it'll already be there. This album <laughs> dropped during the zenith. Of the Soulquarians output, which ran from about 1999 to 2002. And for those listeners who don't know what the Soulquarians are, they were an alternative hip hop soul collective. The members were Quest Love, Jay Dilla, Erica Badu, Mostef Talib Kwali, Common, Bilal, Q Tip, James Poyser, Pino Palladino, and Roy Hardgrove. Mm-hmm. I really oh, regret. I forgot Roy Hardgrove came yeah. from there. Yeah. Wow. And yeah. since he's passed and Jay Dilla has passed. Uh-huh uh last year i i really regret missing retrospectives on things fall apart mm. and one of my all-time favorite rap albums black on both sides we just didn't have time to, to do it mm-hmm. like water for chocolate is one of my favorite common albums i don't know how you feel about it i go between it and resurrection
1: mm-hmm.
0: um i like them both for different reasons
1: mm-hmm. for me like water for chocolate is common's only album because it's the only common album that i listen to altogether i think mm. of it as an album i don't necessarily think of any of the songs even though of course there are definitely singles from that album mm-hmm. i think of it as an album and i never just want to listen to one song from it it's one of the few albums that i go to and i think i want to hear the whole thing or not at all Interesting. it's a okay. whole for me that's just one full complete work of its own See, but i feel yeah
0: i i think it definitely is a great listening experience but mm-hmm. i personally think some of the order or mm-hmm. even the song choices kind of some of it I don't love, but mm-hmm. I feel like Resurrection, even though the subject matter isn't as diverse mm-hmm. as Like Water for Chocolate, mm-hmm. I think it's a smoother listening experience for what it was going for. Mm-hmm. But we'll get into that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, there's there are many people in the B camp. There are some in the One Day It All Makes Sense camp, into a lesser degree, the Electric Circus camp, mm-hmm. which was Went my to first, a
1: much lesser degree. But that electric was my first circus? common album. Really?
0: Yeah. You know. Wow. It, uh. uh EC came out. I want to say two thousand two ish, two thousand three ish, and I bought it off of Come Close. Oh. Come close to me, big. Wow! It was it was such a great single to me. I was like, man, this 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 album sounds great. And wow. so, like, remember when you just bought albums off a single without thinking about it?
1: Okay, it's funny because you asked me that, and yeah. I don't think I've ever actually done that. No, no, I've always been a person who I've had to hear a couple. I've always been stingy with my music buying Mm -hmm. money. I've had to hear a couple of singles, and I would always go to the record store and like preview lots of albums, like whatever was new before the singles were even really out, and buy them off the basis of that. I've never just bought an album from a single.
0: No, I, this was one of those, I saw Mm -hmm. that video, I thought it was really touching, and I was like, you know what, I want this. And I bought it, and then I heard the rest of the album, and I'm like, man, this does not sound like anything else in the album. (laughs) And so, Circus. There's some folks who really like it, and there's some there's some cool tracks on it. Uh, but yeah. yeah, I just I couldn't I couldn't get with it. But, you know, like when I first heard Lap Dance by Nerd on the on MTV, and I was like, wow, this song is nuts, and I just mm-hmm. bought the album. I
1: really? See, I I was I've never been that person. I've always had to listen to, mm-hmm. a, and I mean, I've again old person, not really all that old, but just definitely yeah, there's a generational that. difference I think in our in our buying habits to an extent because for me, like. Social media and all of that didn't have a whole lot of impact on what I bought. It was very much, I would go to the record store on a Saturday morning and wander around and listen to whatever looked interesting and buy stuff based off of that. Um, but not necess- I don't think I've ever bought anything off a single.
0: I think over time, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I definitely evolved in that, but mm-hmm. I definitely remember those being strong ones. And then for you know, Lincoln Park fans, when that first uh, single, Closer, came out, I bought that immediately
1: really wow quality
0: control i remember hearing improvise off of jet grand radio which we'll talk about later on Mm -hmm. this year and yeah i just bought the album just done Hmm. de la soul i remember hearing oodles of o's on um Tony Hawk Pro Skater 4, mm-hmm. bought it.
1: Really? I have to be honest. They're another one. I don't feel like they have any albums. They just have collections of singles, Who? like De La Soul. <sighs> We're like, I've never really, like, I don't like listening to their whole album. I'll <sighs> listen to a track here and a track there. But I've never put on a De La Soul album okay. and to it beginning it, to this, end. Th-
0: I apologize to the listeners. <laughs> Mel honestly, does not... Yeah represent the opinions look, of blurred out
1: i honestly i've never listened to a de la soul album beginning to end and been like that is a satisfying You're experience hurting my heart i, I realize this my but I to, look i got i have got to can- i have to speak my truth okay so yeah i mean I, but i like de la soul i love listening to their tracks but i've never loved an album of theirs just as an album okay but gonna- to be fair i think that there's not a lot of artists who i who have loved their album as an album a lot of them do just kind of have a single with some associated stuff and also, I don't like De La Soul skits. That's the other thing. Okay, stop making that face, man.
0: Okay, okay. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna. This, this. Uh, I, I realize. I realize. Mm-hmm. It's okay. It's okay. I'm, I'm good.
1: Let's get. You'll survive. Let's get back to like uh-huh. barf for chocolate. Uh-huh. So,
0: like barf for chocolate was named after a book from 1998 uh, and the movie from 92 of the same name mm-hmm. uh, from Wikipedia. In an interview with Combustible, the poet Common compared the main character, Tita de la Carza,'s passion for food with his passion for music. And he Mm -hmm. said, actually, the the album is named after a movie of the same title. And the movie, the main character was a really good cook. She would always be cooking for people. Whenever she would cook, she would really put a lot of emotion into it. So when people would eat her cooking, they were able to feel the same emotions she felt while cooking it. You feel me? So this is the same thing. I put all my heart, my mind and my rawness into these tracks. So I hope that people can feel that when they listen to the album. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for me, the the immediate feeling when I listened to it again, and when I first listened to it, was just the sense of maturity from the previous albums. Mm -hmm. I mean, I love Resurrection, Mm -hmm. but there's kind of that lo-fi lightness to it that's fun and allows for him to have fun on those tracks. Mm -hmm. But the first track is like time traveling, a tribute to... uh, Cootie. Uh feel- Kuti? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And just the production was on an, another level. And indeed mm-hmm. this was Common's first major label album. Mm-hmm. Jay Dilla was behind nearly all of this with Questlove mm-hmm. as executive producer. Uh The Six Senses, of course, done by DJ Premier. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is just a fantastic set of songs, rhymes, production yeah. features. Uh Fella Cootie's on it. Mostaff, Steph, Bilal, Vahinia, um, Vahinia Mojica, Joe Scott, MC Light, Slum Village, D'Angelo, CeeLo Green before yes. he was problematic.
1: Oh uh, yeah, he used to be the man, but what happened? Man? Yeah. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Yes,
0: yeah, you would think that that many people could overwhelm the project or the vision, but everyone complimented the music mm-hmm. and still allowed Common to be the main star.
1: Right. Yeah, it's very smooth. Take note, J Electronica. But yes, it's very <laughs> smooth. It just it really does sound like a cohesive work. Yeah. Like it, if you put on the album and you listen to it, it does. There's no there's no moments when you stop and go, huh? What? Like in sex packets. For me, there are. Oh, this face. OK, fine. But for me, there aren't any moments where I stop and go, what is this? This doesn't fit. It it's just it's a really it's like reading a good book in one sitting it's just all a very smooth cohesive work
0: this is my favorite soul Aquarians project that Mm -hmm. would be black on both sides and mama's gun by Eric badu Mm -hmm. but i think this is the most realized from the collective as a whole if that makes sense
1: yes because yeah everybody shows up yeah
0: Mm -hmm. you know there's the standard bravado but there's some nice variety in there like the light which is a classic love song i think that's the first real love song I can remember that was focused on a black woman like that, really? just 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 being like. That's the was, first
1: one you can remember, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: like from that video, I still remember Erykah Badu pulling up her rainbow socks, and it was just cute. <laughs> like the song yeah. was just so warm. Yeah, and I was, I guess, what made me buy Electric Circus was I was happy to jump on that vibe when it first came out. You know, I see. I see. Think maybe. I see. Mm-hmm. The questions was that quirky, fun joint with most stuff about why certain things exist or happen. Mm-hmm. Why do I need I.D. to get I.D.? <laughs> yeah. Payback is a grandmother. Mm-hmm. The track about how he tracked down the people who robbed his grandmother. Mm-hmm. A film called Pimp with MC Light is another take on Common kind of representing hip hop as a female mm-hmm. that he's trying to teach and control.
1: And honestly, I had forgotten she was on this album. Mm-hmm. And so when that track came on, I was like, oh, I forgot about this one. It was really nice to hear her voice. I feel MC Light's another one who really didn't get enough flowers when she was hot.
0: Agreed. Mm-hmm. And Moni Love. Yeah. Always will always cape for for mm-hmm. Moni. I didn't like this this song. Which song? A film called Pimp with MC Light. It uh, it bordered on the cheese.
1: It does, yeah. But I think that was just very indicative of its time. Now, so here's the thing. How old were you when this when this came out?
0: When it first dropped, I was probably Fourteen.
1: Okay. So when this came out, it was 2000, so I was 19. I was mm-hmm. a college sophomore. Mm-hmm. And just this is where like our age difference isn't that great, but it makes a big difference here sure. because this particular album was everywhere. And I went to a very, I went to an extremely predominantly white institution, but the summers I'd go home and it was this, this album was every, the light was just everywhere everywhere and sure. it wasn't just like it was everywhere that year it was everywhere for the next five years right it's a huge yeah. song that song was everywhere and then just the album and just the vibe i don't know i feel like there was just a real different texture I mean, every generation has a different texture that to the way that they special. express culture and there was just a very different texture to black culture i really feel grateful that i kind of came up in those years mm. when there was just such a there was a Real effort at being positive and at being whole and at being healthy. That I'm not going to say it doesn't exist now because it does, but mm-hmm. it just it was just very differently expressed. And I think it was just a it was a it was a vibe. And it was, was a very vibe. popular. Yeah, and it was exactly it was popular, and it was also just there was just a real vibe to it. I don't know how else to express no, it totally. really, but totally, yeah, mm-hmm.
0: absolutely.
1: So for me, this album was if you went to a house party, this album was playing. Sure, if you. I had a, I had a college radio show at the time, and my radio show was gospel, but I would still work in a track or two from this mm-hmm. every once in a while. Uh, I had, like, a Sunday Ghetto morning... But, <laughs> not that one. But, sure. I mean, like, I had, like, a Sunday morning gospel show, and mm-hmm. I would, you know, sneak in little bits and pieces of stuff from this in, here and there. Uh, if you were talking to people about music, if you went to a... Uh, I used to do this thing where... Um, Long story, it was like karaoke, but not karaoke, not like from a cheesy machine. But there used to, where I was, there was this trend of having live bands Mm -hmm. do karaoke. So if you could sing or if you knew somebody who could sing, you'd go and you'd say to the band, can you do this song? Mm. Right? And there were so many tracks from this album that people would attempt to do at those parties. Wow. I mean, you'd hear all kinds of stuff, right? Like, yeah, so you'd hear people, you know, everybody was doing their best do impression at that time anyway, right? So, you know, you'd get... Tyrone. Yeah, get yeah, totally. But, you know, you'd get somebody uh, trying to be common and somebody trying to be CeeLo.
0: Mm-hmm. It never
1: really worked because <laughs> they're not common. They're not CeeLo. But, you know, people were really into it in a really different kind of way. Sure. So I don't know. Yeah, it was just it was a vibe. It was very much. It, it was this is one of the albums that's the soundtrack to my to my young adulthood, I guess. Sure. And that's very I think that's why I feel the way I do about the album as a whole. As opposed to any of the individual tracks, because the tracks were everywhere, but the album more more so than the tracks, the album was everywhere. Just that vibe, and then yeah. overall, just mm-hmm. that
0: whole era of the soul queens. Right. That yeah. vibe just mm-hmm. just set.
1: Right. I remember going to an Easter party, mm-hmm. and this album was just playing on a loop the whole time in the back. Right. And this was like, an, and that's the other thing. It was it had a very cross generational appeal. Mm-hmm. So like, it was everybody was at this Easter party, folks, as parents and grandparents and kids and cousins and whatnot. But this album was just playing on a loop the whole time in the back. And people were kind of getting into it where they could, you know. It was just, it was just not nice. It was there was just something different about the vibe. I don't know. For sure, mm-hmm.
0: I I totally get it. And yeah, on your college thing, you know, mm-hmm. I my college years from you know, two thousand three to mm-hmm. two thousand eight, and that was kind of for me a kind of a dead decade where mm-hmm. there was kind of all the great stuff was in the underground to me, mm-hmm. and so I was either I was spending most of those years going back and buying old stuff mm-hmm. and then buying a couple of new things and there, there wasn't really that kind of push that mm-hmm. vibe at the time you know mm-hmm. that was like the 50 cent years and Eminem and right. like there wasn't really anything for me to grab onto in that regard so I was listening to this stuff all the time right yeah in the car black star and black of both sides and this things fall apart but I wasn't it wasn't like the fresh stuff at the time mm-hmm. I think the only thing that was really fresh when I was in college was like when Nas dropped hip-hop is dead and like that was like oh, what's this about? And then that was, you know, that was an okay album. But just the idea of him Mm -hmm. saying it, I think that was a fresh take. But that's all I can really remember at the time. Right, yeah. I wish I could have grown up or going to college when like Good Kid, M.A.D. City came out, or To Pimp a Butterfly came out. You know, mm-hmm. who knows how that energy would have changed yeah, a person.
1: Well, yeah, I wonder about that too. Like, it seems like we're kind of getting back into that vibe mm-hmm. in some small pockets here, but kind of. There's a lot of other things going on as well. But you know, you never you, you never move back; you always move forward. Yeah. So the culture's doing different things now. I just really appreciated the vibe of Black culture when Absolutely. I was coming I, up sure. as a very young woman. I it was there was something. Really, be- people were really trying to express beauty, even in really ugly things, and I really appreciated that. I don't know if I don't necessarily think they're not doing that now, but mm-hmm. there was something about it that resonated. Sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, a song for Asada was my introduction, my actual introduction to Asada Shakur. Mm,
1: really, as a younger man.
0: Oh um, wow. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, this album has a lot of flavor. I think it largely works. Like I said, I think a, f- a film called Pimp started. I think that was the beginning of Com's gravitational pull to the cheese. Like, yeah, because he
1: really is living there now.
0: Yeah, you know? I think if if like Common's career was it was a summit. I mm-hmm. think Like Water was like the peak there, mm-hmm. and then it started to like B is pretty good, but mm-hmm. his lyrics I think slightly got watered down, and that song Testify that cheesy courtroom yeah I, it was i, I yeah, was i was kind of yeah
1: and i mean uh, he just wrote a book a memoir and that memoir is <laughs> it's positive okay but it's very it's you know he's just he's like i don't know how to describe it he's just very
0: there was a uh one of my friends he he said comma is now like a starbucks mom rapper kind
1: yeah, I mean he's I don't know. I appreciate his positivity, but he's For just sure. there's just not a lot of edge to him anymore, which yes. is interesting. Actually, I saw a comment in concert two years ago and he didn't do any of his new stuff. Okay. Yep. Yeah, I mean, he, the, he tore the house down. Okay. He, he, it was at Red Rocks, and he, mm-hmm. you know, it was he was part of a bill with a bunch of other kind of '90s artists. So it okay. was him. It was En Vogue. It was Lauren Hill, who okay. was actually on time, but spent most of her set screaming at the sound mm-hmm. guys. She's got the worst attitude, man. Um. But yeah, so it was En Vogue, Common, Lauren Hill, and it was somebody else who maybe wasn't good because I've forgotten them. But uh, yeah. And but he was probably the best act on that night. he? Did was he, real did he consistent. Break at all? No, he didn't break down, so he did call somebody up on the uh, onto the stage to like rap to them. And my friend I was with was really pissed off. She's like, how's she gonna steal my man?"
0: Oh. But <laughs>
1: yeah, it was. It was. But he was a he was a great show. But he didn't He's do great. any of the new stuff.
0: Yeah, I I saw don't think him. he did
1: anything post. Um. Wow, let me think.
0: Post B, maybe,
1: maybe, maybe even what was the album before B?
0: Like White for Chocolate. Oh no, I'm sorry, no. Electric Circus.
1: Yeah, maybe he didn't do anything post electric circus I, I i remember being surprised because he wasn't doing anything new and he's got new stuff but he wasn't doing anything new
0: yeah because it never really hit i yeah. i saw him on a free concert mm. sponsored by newports and it was him <laughs> it was him and your favorite group de la soul
1: i i didn't say i don't like de la soul i just don't like their albums i I'm was so glad to to their tracks I'm so but bitter. i just don't look for me an album has to be like a cohesive work together and to me de la soul doesn't do that terrible, they just have terrible, collections shameful, of singles shameful shameful oh come on
0: sorry de, de la soul mm-hmm. i would say honestly de la soul they're probably my favorite hip-hop group like of all time this like, is
1: okay now i see why you're taking this so personally okay the roots uh-huh. are
0: like they're they're but de la takes it, it for me just mm-hmm. just because of how eclectic they are but anyway let's mm-hmm. let's let's go on let's yes, close sorry. Let's, let's get to closing this out yeah yeah we're, we're just um, rambling
1: about music now which is great but yeah.
0: uh upon listening to chocolate again There there were some homophobic lines near the end. I don't know if you caught those.
1: You know, that's the one bad thing about, well, not the one bad thing. It's one of many bad things, but maybe the most glaring bad thing about music from that era is Mm. that there was a lot of blatant homophobia, which is, I mean, that's something that we've improved on, thank God. But yeah, it does, it always startles me when you go back because it is like love, peace, light, acceptance, vibes, vibes, vibes. But Fire burn pawn yeah exactly what why are we doing so here?
0: yeah it's, I, I want to read a couple of the, the things because I I really like had to pause oh he said that mm. so on Nog Champa he said it's rumors of gay MCs just don't come around me with it you still rocking hickeys don't let me find out who- he did it
1: yeah yeah so this was back yeah this was back in the conscious days when everybody was kind of a proto Hotep and didn't know it proto woke yeah
0: and uh, Thelonius which I love this beat uh, mm-hmm. you can feel it in your chest you'll be I Feeling in her breasts, plus you rhyme like like a nigga with his nipples pierced. So first is all like
1: so unnecessary. So
0: first we're you know we're calling out women mm-hmm. by her name, um, and then we got yeah exactly. It's just yeah. like like unnecessary is, is yeah. yeah. So yeah, obviously yeah, there are things you know he wouldn't be able to get away with these days, but great album. Mm-hmm. If you haven't heard it, please find it. If you have heard it, give it another spin. It still, it still, it still holds up really well.
1: It does, yeah. But you're right about the homophobia. That's inexcusable. I think the only one who, from that era, from that kind of general vibe, that general scene, who didn't really do that was Erica Badu. Actually, if you mm-hmm. go back and listen to her stuff, I don't think I've ever been startled by any sneak attacks from her. Uh, Lauren Hill is really bad, though. Really? Yeah, okay, I know yeah, that. Yeah. Actually, a friend of mine who's and Jill a, Scott too. Yeah, yeah, Jill Scott too. Yeah,
0: but she's I been kind of she's, expected, she's, yeah, No, no, mm-hmm. she's she's good. Yeah, exactly. On
1: that, right. Which, I, my, but that's what I'm saying. I kind of expect it from Jill Scott. She's yeah, her her wheelhouse is so different that she never really was trying to be political ever.
0: <laughs> well, I'm just saying I don't mm-hmm. think that. Because they're R and B singers, they don't really need to even venture into the whole Oh, I agree. That, I agree. Right, but
1: Joe Scott's been, I think, more clear on that. The Philly scene was real different on that. I think. Okay, uh, was just she was just always more clear on that. So she was never trying to step out of her bounds. She's mm-hmm. got that whole bit where she's talking on, uh, the live album that she did. I can't remember the name of anything. My memory is so bad. Uh, it's Okay. On the live album she did, she has that whole thing where she's like, well, everybody's assuming that I'm such a positive person, but you don't know me. I'm just singing you songs. Like, she kind of goes through that sort of Mm -hmm. thing. Yeah, I never said that. You putting what you think on it. But she's very – her lyrics are very neutral, and they should be Mm because they're love songs. Sure. That said –
0: Or, like, body mm -hmm. positivity songs. Well, yeah. I mean,
1: she's not singing about that, so she doesn't try. Mm -hmm. She doesn't – that's not her thing, Mm -hmm. which I appreciate. Um, But yeah, Lauryn Hill's particularly bad, especially her Unplugged album. And actually I had a friend pointed out to me, he is gay and he's a poet who lives in London. No, Mm -hmm. he's in Manchester now. He lives in Manchester now. And he was going back and playing like all these old albums and getting into the tunes. And he was like, he reached out to ask me if something meant what he thought it meant, because he's not a black American. He's like, is that what that means? And I was like, yeah, it is. Where'd you hear that? And he's like, Lauryn Hill. And I was horrified because so I went back and listened. I was surprised. Interesting. Yeah. I no idea. Yeah. But, I mean, it kind of makes sense given her her, social affiliations, I suppose. Okay. Yeah.
0: What What are they? I don't know.
1: I mean, as far as just her whole, like, kind of affiliation with the Marleys and that whole kind of Jamaican reggae scene, which is notoriously homophobic. Is it, I, okay. Extremely. I know. Uh, what yeah, 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 yeah. Like, horribly so. Mm-hmm. I mean,
0: homophobia doesn't Mm -hmm. surprise me period but Mm -hmm. especially in the past yeah yeah that's that's unfortunate um we have really run on long here we
1: have talked our butts off i hope you appreciate what we're doing for you in your time of quarantine yeah (laughs) um
0: so yeah let me let me close out and it's kind of brief about what i'm kind of doing these days in my self-quarantine i've I played Resident Evil 3, the demo. Mm-hmm. I talked to you about that before. Yeah, you did. I finally beat Resident Evil 2. I actually bought that game on launch last year, but I was too chicken to beat it. Okay. There was a point where we got to this dark parking garage mm-hmm. and I was just like, no. Oh, no, let me let me just no. And I just stopped. Um but I finally beat it. Mm-hmm. Um it was really fun. I played the RE3 demo, it was really fun, and I played Final Fantasy 7 mm-hmm. uh, the the remakes demo, which is actually really mm-hmm. good. I bought seven during the GameCube era when I had a GameCube, and I couldn't play it because the graphics were so garbage. But really? this new remake, well, yeah, because when the PlayStation came out, it was cutting edge. Right. But when the new when the new generation came out, of course. things looked bad. Gotcha. You know, the NES and the SNES have those sprites that mm. still hold up, mm. whereas the PS1 64 Days kind of have that that kind of adolescent kind of like ugly phase of gaming I think mm-hmm. as an aesthetic mm-hmm. it's too pixelated and gross. I see. Like okay. if you played it at the time then it's yeah. then it's great but uh-huh. if you try to go back and retroactively play it I don't think it, you you can do it. Okay. So for that game that was, that's how it was for me. But okay. this remake was really good. Yeah. I'm not sure if I'm going to buy it though. Resident Evil 3 I'm probably going to buy it. I Everyone's talking about Animal Crossing. I don't know if you know what that game is. I know what
1: it is but I
0: yeah. I played it to death when it first came out on the GameCube mm-hmm. and I watched a friend play this new one and I, I'm not sure mm-hmm. that Game is for me anymore. I don't. I don't think I. Re- I can really do simulation mm-hmm. kind of farming games like that anymore. Yeah. I need a more like story driven mm-hmm. game, like The Last of Us, which is coming okay. out soon. So, mm-hmm. what are you up to these days?
1: Same old, same old. I'm on sabbatical anyway. I wasn't actually intending to have to go out and see human beings between December and september anyway so this is what i'm doing what i was already already planning to do which is stay in my house (laughs) yeah so yeah i'm reading a lot as always and writing a lot and building new stuff and catching up with everybody one of the weird things about everybody back in the west being on self-isolation now is that all these folks who i never get a chance to talk to because we're on opposite schedules are now online when i'm online so i'm having these great conversations i love talking to you guys but it's like I, you know, it's, but it's like 3 a.m. for me and I'm try—I'm supposed to be going to bed, but y'all are like, hey, by the way, what do you think about? And I'm like, yay, it's my friend. I can talk, but why? Why now, man? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, but it's actually great to be able to catch up with people. I really love how the internet keeps everybody connected. Thing. It's such a wonderful thing. The Whoever, Al Gore, we thank you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of inconvenient truths, Guys, we gotta sign off here. Yeah, we do. It's it's running long, and I gotta edit the heck out of this thing. Mm-hmm. So
1: and I get to go home and stay in my house.
0: No, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> hey, we want to thank you all for listening this long. Mm-hmm. Again, we are blurred up. You can find us on Facebook at b l e r d u p. We are on Instagram at b l e r d period u p. We are on Twitter at b l e r d u, and of course, find us on blur dot com. Our partners. Website full of nerdy content from a black cultural lens. I am Brendan. I am Mel. Where can they find you?
1: Uh, At Equal Opportunity Reader on uh, Facebook and Instagram. And soon Twitter, once I figure out how to open up another account on Twitter, because... Sorry. Really quickly, really quick blurred note. So Lavar Burton is trying to do these live reading podcasts. Mm-hmm. And he, was, he posted on Twitter that he was having a really hard time uh, finding things in the public domain that he could read, like do live readings of without having copyright issues. And Neil Gaiman, who I'm sure you probably know, the author of American Gods, Sandman, good, Om- well, co-author of Good Omens, tweeted him back and said, you can read anything you want of mine. Dope. yes so lavar burton is going to be reading neil gaiman short stories and maybe other works as well very soon live but there's a neil gaiman short story i love called the sleeper and the spindle and i want him to read it so i've got to make a twitter account so i could ask this is going to be fun it's pray for me i don't know how to do this
0: <laughs> it's really cool with celebrities like yeah like you reply back to you yeah lp likes on my tweets that's mm-hmm. cool very all right cool. Y'all. Everyone wish good luck to Mel. Yeah, definitely. That's what I to try to do. Me this. As I yeah. edit this behemoth of a show. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. Peace, y'all.
0: Peace, y'all. Stay inside. Yeah.